Being a mom is the toughest job there is, and it doesn't come with instructions. So it's okay if you don't have all the answers. We'll figure it out together. This is Mom Brain with Ilaria Baldwin and Daphne Oz. Hey guys, welcome back to Mom Brain. I'm Daphne. And I'm Ilaria. And today we are chatting with Laura Prepon. She, of course, is the actress that you know and love from all kinds of shows, Orange is the New Black, That 70s Show. She's a fabulous director. She is also not only a new mom to a newborn, also a mom to a toddler, and also an author of a few books now, actually, but a brand new book called You and I as Mothers that is all about her conversations with um, a variety of women, myself included, about what the journey of being a woman looks like after you become a mother. This is the second time that Laura has been on. So you also might want to listen back in season one. She was one of our very first guests. Um, and she just has such an amazing energy and so much wisdom. Listen, you'll have some laughs, maybe some tears, and, and you'll learn something. Enjoy. Mom, play. Hi, I'm Laura Prepon, and I'm an actor, director, writer, and my book, You and I as Mothers, is out now. Where can we find you? Where can we follow you online? At Laura Prepon across, across the board is how you can follow me online. Well, how, how are you physically feeling? You doing okay? I'm doing okay. I I am so thankful that my son came before all of this really went down and before the isolation happened because I have friends that are, you know, either about to go into labor or have had a child where their partners aren't even allowed in the hospital. I mean, it's and and having to labor and go through all of that stuff without your partner, can you imagine? Like, and I know women do it, but without without having any kind of support system. I can't imagine. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, I was actually thinking exactly of that because, um, and I, and I want to bring up what, what I was, uh, what I've been reading about you. Um, I don't know, about a month ago, you came out with an article about your miscarriage. Um, Mm -hmm. and I had also had a miscarriage of four months back in the fall and I was supposed to be having a baby right now. Oh, that's, yeah. This was like, my due date was in like a a couple weeks from now. And to think about that, this would be the time when I was going to be having a baby. And it just hit me really hard. Of course, I'm still still so sad of what happened, but just sort of the strange turn of events of of how things play out um, and what that experience would be like. And and thinking about my friends who, who were due, who are due around the same time that I was and just their experience of it right now. And then also thinking, I mean, I remember having, you know, my, my first, my first child, my daughter and my uh, pediatrician who was new at the same time, because I didn't ever have a pediatrician before. And she said to me, she said, your one job the first month is this baby cannot get sick. And right. I was like, Oh my God. And like, I was like, we're not going anywhere. No grocery store, no this, no that. That's like a whole new level of anxiety right now. We're afraid of us getting sick, let alone a little newborn that has never had anything before. So it's extremely um, uh, scary times right now. Yeah, it definitely puts things into perspective, for sure. I mean, already, like you just explained, you're already so scared about anything happening, especially in those first months, because their immunity is still being built up. So we haven't left. I mean... Thank goodness we have um, a little area in our backyard where we can go out and get some sun. And um, But it's, I, I just think about all the parents that are in 
just apartments too, where it's hard for them to have any kind of connection with nature and just get some sun on your face and get those vitamins that we so desperately need. Even though I'm, I'm like a vampire and I'm never in the sun, I still slather myself with sunscreen and like get out in the sun. You know what I mean? To like try to absorb the vitamin D, you know? Um, but it's, it's so important to be able to, you know, because we haven't gone out the front of the house, but the back we do, we'll go out and get a little bit of sun on our face, but it is, it's scary times out there, but things like this that you guys are doing to help build community and be a support group, especially for moms is so incredible. So thank you guys. Well, I think it's giving all of us a chance to kind of like take a step back and reevaluate and and reprioritize in in parenting specifically. How is, I mean, there's the obvious ways, but how has it been different this time around welcoming a baby home and how have you communicated it to your daughter and, and what's this experience been like for you? Um, just, you know, trying to figure out and navigate that new experience. Right. I mean, well, you know, the fact that I was able to, to, I mean, Daphne, to talk to you also for the book and you shared all these wonderful things about, the like how you juggle it all and keep your relationship amazing and fresh and creative while being this amazing mom. So thank you for being a part of it. And I can't wait for like everybody to read everybody to read the stuff that you contributed, which is amazing. But But we should just say this is, she's talking about Laura amidst having multiple children and everything else that she does also found time to write a brand new book that's out called you and I as mothers And it's a collection of like incredible, you know, really the way that you want to hear from some famous names, also some friends, just like people whose perspective on motherhood you really would like to share told in a way that's really candid because you're talking to your friends, which I thought was such a cool idea. Thank you. I, yeah, I, I'm really excited for people to read it, but you brought up a really good point, which was that, well, first of all, I just want to touch on the fact that what was really important to me and what I found there was a void with was I feel like there's a lot of books about parenting, but, and there's a ton of books about pregnancy, which is the nine months of your life that you go through. And I feel like that's really covered. But right Mm -hmm. after that, I'm, I felt like there was a void in terms of material and voices that we can turn to about the rest of your life, (laughs) you Mm -hmm. know? And I, and I, I felt like there were, parenting books. And this is, I'm circling back to answer your question, but I felt like there were parenting books, but there weren't, there wasn't a book that focused on the woman and the mother herself that, that I could personally relate to. And when I, you know, when I first had my daughter, I struggled with a lot of postpartum anxiety and I didn't even know what that was. Whenever I heard about postpartum, I always thought about depression. And, you know, I think of what a lot of people don't realize is that postpartum just means after birth. It's literally just what happens after birth. And I had never known what ang- what postpartum anxiety was because I didn't really struggle with anxiety that much. And I, I kind of was used to putting myself in really stressful situations some which I probably never should have done, but I did anyway. <laughs> and uh, that's a whole different thing. But, but um, for me, the 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 main change for me was from baby one to baby two was that I did a lot of healing and a lot of processing through the through the process of writing this book. And I felt like by the time my second baby came around, I had I knew what to expect, and I knew that I was going quickly into promoting the book. And I, and, and my family and I knew what to do to make sure I was supported where, where the first time around I had no clue. 
I had no clue. And I feel like a lot of women feel shameful or I remember talking to a friend of mine who's a mom who I, I before when I was pregnant the first time I said, what do you struggle with most as a mom? I want to get, you know, I want to kind of know what to look out for. And she looked back over both of her shoulders and then leaned in. And I'm like, why are we whispering? Why is this a secret? I'm like, this should not be. I mean, I, and I did, I truly didn't understand. And then now that I am a mom and I've, and I've spoke to so many wonderful mothers of all different ages, I, there's a lot of, um, it's like shrouded in secrecy about the fact that we struggle and it's the most incredible joy. She leaned in and said, I struggle. That was her. What would what no. did she say? She leans in and she's like, girl, it's really hard. And that's what, that's what she said to me. <laughs> and she was like, she was secretive about the fact that it was so hard. And this is, this was a badass working mom. And I'm, and I, and I remember being like, oh, we got this. No big deal. And then your complete, your life is completely upended. But I would never change it for the world. It's the most amazing thing I've ever experienced. It's also the most fear I've ever experienced in my life. And that has really gotten that particularly that anxiety and fear of trying to protect this baby got so much better when my second one came because I knew what to expect and I knew the hormones are real. And, um, and after talking to all these women of different ages, especially for my book, things just got really put into perspective. They really did. Um, and that was very, very helpful speaking to these wonderful women like you, Daphne, for my book and and shining light on all of these different areas. And it's just was really helpful and healing for me. And I hope whoever reads the book will feel that way as well. I would love to hear from you though, because certainly this has been my experience writing books. I always write the books I desperately wanted to find on bookshelves and couldn't, and that felt like I needed to have. That was the case with dorm room diet when I wanted to lose weight in college in a really healthful way that still let me love my food. That was the case with relish and the happy cook. Like I wanted ways to I wanted ways to feel really confident and positive in my kitchen and in a way that didn't take hours and hours of my time that I no longer had to spend there. Um, and I know that you wrote this book because like you said, there wasn't a discussion of the woman post birth, which I think is so different. You're absolutely right. It's such a different discussion than parenting post birth. And I'd love to hear like, what did you discover about yourself along the way of writing and what are some of your favorite takeaways from the powerful share stories that have been shared with you along the way? Honestly, one of the things that surprised me the most was that being that I grew up in a very unconventional household, when I became a mother, I initially, not even initially, there's just, there's so many times where you kind of fall back into what's naturally in you. Where I, um, I used to go to, I used to watch a lot of UFC and I was in like the fight world for a while. Cause I was <laughs> whatever. I would just watch. She's had it. the full-time cute, coolest, like most diverse, amazing <laughs> life ever. So, no, but I was poker champion. She's no, but I, I was really, no, I, I was really, I do miss poker, but there's no way to do that now with kids. Um, but I was really into that whole world. I would go to fights all the time. I was friends with a bunch of fighters. I was training in kickboxing. I was, I just loved it. And I, one of the main things is for my friends who were professionals, they would never introduce a new move right before a fight. Because initially when you're in there and you're in survival Mm. mode, you go back to what's ingrained in you. Mm. And I find that as a mother, when you're figuring all this stuff out constantly, no matter how old your kids are, you're constantly being tested 
mentally, emotionally with all these things, I felt like for me, I initially fell back on what I knew, which was my upbringing. And when I looked back to my upbringing, which I really hadn't truly done, when I when I came into confrontation of having to look at that, there were some things that I really didn't agree with and that I was not okay with. And I, it's one thing too that I, a few things actually that I talk about in the book, but in terms of how you were mothered, that's something for me because everyone came from a mother figure. We all have some, you know, we all came from a, a, a woman and some kind of motherhood figure has had an effect on us or lack thereof. You either have a relationship with them or a not really a relationship or no relationship. But for me, that still affects you as a person and a mother. And when I really had to look at how how I was mothered, there were definitely some things that I had that I had a problem with and that I had to come into confrontation with and deal with that. And there were there were some dysfunction that was passed down that I would never pass to my kids. And there was also these wonderful things where my mother taught me to speak up for myself and follow my dreams. And I know I wouldn't be where I am without her. Yet she also passed down, passed down a lot of dysfunction that took me years to figure out. So that's something in addition to all the other things I write about in the book, that was one thing that comes to my mind first and foremost was having to really look at that. And um, that was a trip that was really interesting. And I've wow. healed so much from it. How do you cope? Because I, I I, mean, I think that we all look at our, our backgrounds and think, you know, these are the things I liked about my childhood. These are the things that I didn't like about my childhood. And this is how I want to do it with my kids. So number one, do you ever have those moments where you're like, oh my God, I sound like my mother or my father or, or my uncle or whoever it was at one point. Do I ever, I'm like, oh, I've become that. Fully, and then yes. also when it's just struggle because it's like ingrained in you and, and you're like, okay, I don't want to be doing that. How can I consciously shift my parenting? Um, do you ever, do you ever have those moments where number one, you sound like somebody from the past you don't want to sound like, and then number two, what do you do about that when it is part of your being because you grew up that way? I definitely have had those moments of, oh my God, I'm turning into my mother <laughs> um, because <laughs> she, it's, she uses like all of these phrases, these old timey phrases. And when, and I've found myself using some old timey phrases. There's one where she would say, oh, they're bats in the belfry. And I said that once where I was like, oh, they're bats in the belfry. And my husband was was like, what do you, what did you just say? And I said, oh my God, that was, that was a, a mommy, a mommyism. I can't believe that. What does that mean? Like it means that it means that oh that person's crazy. Like the belfry is like the a bell tower and there's bats flying around in it. So when someone's bats in the belfry, they're not all there. They're just like (laughs) kind of a crazy person. It is this all tiny phrase that I pulled out one day out of nowhere. Um, Or I I always say, and this is something that I can't help. I've said um, if someone compliments my cooking, I say, well, hunger is the best seasoning. And my mother used to say that hunger is the best seasoning. And I would catch myself and think to myself, wow, I am turning into my mother. Um, But, you know, one of the one of the biggest things for me that I did touch on, which is something that I didn't realize was because I grew up without any kind of structure, which, by the way, with five kids, 
growing up with four siblings. Right, how could you? Right, but you know, the other thing too is that I actually did pretty well in that freedom. I feel like I I kind of I thrived in that freedom whereas a couple of my siblings did not and they needed more structure and didn't have it. So as a mother too, you also have to read which of your kids needs that and which doesn't, which we didn't have. And again, I I would never place blame. My mother did the best she could and um with what she was raised with and and what she was armed with and knew what to do. So I would never place blame, but reflecting on it is really interesting. But I've noticed that when my when my daughter especially because my son is so young, when my daughter especially when her schedule would get kind of messed up, it would cause me stress. It would cause me a lot of stress. And I realized it was because I didn't have a schedule growing up and I really wanted to make sure she would stay on this, be on her schedule or that she would feel, you know, it would mess her up somehow. So again, that I've definitely relaxed with as time has gone by. But that's one of those things where because I didn't have that, I really am trying to keep a schedule for her. Right. And, you know, but as time goes by, just like with anything, with any kind of new thing you're in, you get more comfortable with it. And... You know, that's why, especially with my mom squad that I talked to in my book, I wanted to talk to mothers of all different ages, of all different backgrounds, ethnicities, um, and different amounts of children at different ages, because it is an evolving thing and it's a constant negotiation, but we still experience the same things in terms of stress and lack of control and making sure your partnership stays fresh and new and mom guilt. I mean, I feel like these are commonalities that don't go away. There's just different levels of it throughout your motherhood journey. Generationally, did you end up feeling like, like was across the board, was there, could you see differentiation, you know, women who are 60 plus, did they feel differently about obligations to themselves or obligations to their spouses or obligations to their kids than women in their thirties? Like, did you feel like there was a big divide there? I think that when I when I had talked to mothers who were older, especially, you know, an empty nester, it's more about it's a it's a little it's more relaxed. You know, it's more about the time goes by so quickly. Just enjoy it. And they're not experiencing mom guilt at that point. And that's something that's a real takeaway for me. And then, you know, when I speak to someone like you, Daphne, who's, you know, in our age group who has multiple children, I feel like that mom guilt is still very prominent and other things are still really stress us out no matter how old your kids are. And, you know, one, one woman I talked to in my book who was an empty nester, her main thing was make sure, and especially in the chapter in partnership, her main thing was make sure you fuel that fire with your partner because your kids are going to grow up. And not only does your partner, if you're having a children with partners, um, not only does that fuel you to be able to do it and, um, and just replenish that and yourself and just be a constant support for you, but your kids grow up and they have their own lives and, and ultimately move out and have their own families and whatever they do. So and then it's you and your partner. So hopefully. And so she, her main thing was you really have to make sure you don't let your partnership go away and just have it be all about the kids. And that was really interesting to hear from a woman whose kids were grown and out of the house, 
you know, I, I really wanted to touch on things that everybody could relate to from someone who's our age trying to really fuel their relationship to someone who is an empty nester and realizing, okay, so this relationship, you still have to keep strong. Because I feel like a lot of people let their relationship slide when kids come into the mix and you really have to do as much as you can to keep that relationship strong. You know, one of the things I've really, I've learned about mom guilt is that, and is that one of the most important things that we can teach our children as mothers is to be able to understand that they are amongst others and having so many kids and realizing that it's okay for for the kid to not be the center of attention all the time. And that's going to actually make them stronger, kinder, more compassionate people. Whereas before I would think, you know, when, as I was talking about that one to two of like, oh my God, I can't be with this child all the time. I used to bring my daughter Carmen everywhere. I, at that point I was shooting on extra, like that was my job. I would do it many, 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 many times out of the week. And I'd bring her with me. And, you know, I'd hand her to like what, like my producer and I would shoot and then I would pick her up and I was breastfeeding her all the time. And like, we're just together nonstop. And then with the more kids that I have, I realized that it wasn't possible. And that the older they got and the more verbal. And obviously when you're recording something, you can't have a little child that is asking all sorts of different questions all the time. <laughs> right. Um, but I found that as my kids have had to learn that the rea- what, what the real world is, that you are not going to be the center of attention all the time that I've been able to retrain my mom guilt where I felt like, oh my God, I'm not giving them my all and realize that that's actually a gift for them where they can sit back and start to listen. I mean, Daphne, I'm sure that your um, daughter and your um, your Philomena and and John are at the age of not interrupting, right? Right? Or trying, trying to (laughs) interrupt. We're learning the rules of interrupting right now, which has been really interesting. Oh, I I will. Actually, can you explain that to us? The rules of interrupting are, excuse me, Sorry to interrupt. Very concise question. <laughs> I need I need That's to interrupt great. for this emergency. But the but the thing is with that, they think that they can say excuse me at any time. Only for there there are four things they can do it for: bathroom, emergency. Oh, I like that. Injury or something else. There's some like there's four urgent things where you're allowed to ask your interruption. But that's question. but that's oh, extremely that's, good. that's a really good lesson because you know they're like I have this burning question that's urgent. They learned the word urgent from my husband, which I think is hilarious. He says the word urgent all the time. And I'm like, this, this is not urgent. It's never once been urgent. I've heard urgent like 3 million times. Never once has it actually been urgent. And they think that if they say, excuse me, that they can, you know, burst into any conversation. And for them, little by little to learn that they need to wait. And they are one of many, whether that's mom, dad, or mom, mom, dad, or whatever, whatever sorry, mom, mom, kid, right. whatever, whatever your family dynamic is, that you are one of a group. And, and you need to wait your turn. Well, that's something that growing up in a, in a a big family, we definitely had to learn and we had to learn to kind of figure it out for ourselves. And kids are smart. Kids will figure it out. I mean, obviously very, very young children, they, they're going to learn that. And I also feel like, especially for us, while our situation was extreme, um, in terms of the fact that our, our parents happened to be very hands off. And I, and I mentioned that some siblings needed more. I think it's really just about the fact that you just have to kind of gauge which of your kids needs a little bit more attention and which thrive better with some more freedom. And, um, yeah, I I wanted to touch on the thing you said about mom guilt, because one thing that my friend Mila had said 
was so helpful in terms of mom guilt. And what she said was when she first went back to work after having their first daughter, she said, I never look at work as a negative in front of my kids. I never look at work and and say, oh, mommy has to go to work. She says really positively, she's like, mommy has to go to work and makes it really exciting so that her children don't get bummed out that she has to go to work. And they also think of it as a really positive thing. And I thought that was such a great tool that she uses and that, you know, that her and Ashton both use. I thought that was really, really great. And I, um, things like that, I put that in the book as well. She's one of the women I talked to in the book as well. But in terms of mom guilt, that really helped me a lot. It's one of our, that's one of our favorite stories that, For sure. um, that our, uh, that Alexa Von Tobel told us. It's a game changer. It's a game changer. And Big I time. feel like once you hear it, you don't forget it. And and it's like some of that mama wisdom that get passed down, gets passed down. And those, it's those nuggets. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it makes so much, yeah, you're right. You hear it once and you're like, why haven't I always thought of it like this? Um, <laughs> and, uh, Can I ask one thing not to, not to get too heavy? Yeah. So for me, sharing my miscarriage was um, very therapeutic for me. And then I got, and as I'm sure that you have as well, a lot of response from that. Um, I'm wondering what it was like to have a baby after loss um, and to have that experience. I know that this is something that our, um, that our, our listeners will ask about because it's a really big topic. Um, so what was it like going through that experience of where there, were you nervous? Were you? Um... Yeah, no, I, I'm so sorry you went through what you went through because I, I know firsthand what it's like and it's, awful. So I just want to say, I totally get it. And I'm sorry that you went through that. It, it's, it was, you grow up your whole life, at least for me, you grow up as, um, as a girl thinking, I'm so scared about getting pregnant, you know? And when you first start having sex, everything is like, can't get pregnant, can't get pregnant, can't get pregnant. And then I feel like for me, when I wanted to get pregnant, there's so, you know, and then you finally are blessed to get pregnant. Then there's all of these things to worry about that you didn't even know about. Like, didn't even, like, I didn't even know. I didn't even think about once you get pregnant, passing the, getting through these milestones, these health milestones that you have to hit. And if there's a measurement that's off, it means that there could be something wrong with your baby and you, you counting the weeks down to the next appointment to make sure everything's okay. Like, I never... I I didn't know to expect any of that. So when that happened to us, it really just put things into perspective of having a healthy baby is something to be so grateful for. And, um, you know, our, ours happened in month four. We found out in month four that, cause we, it's, again, you're told get through the first trimester and then everything's fine. And we did, uh, we had done a bunch of testing and, you know, we found out that everything was fine. Everything was fine, but there was just one measurement that was off when we did an early, you know, the nuchal where they test the back of the neck and they, they check the measurement. So the measurement was a little bit extra, you know, we didn't really think anything of it and they were like, okay, it could mean something, but you know, but, um, without telling the whole story, that measurement turned out to be a, a big problem. And it, it turned out that we got all of the testing that we did, everything came out fine. 
so we were really excited to share with our family when we got results right when we got into the second trimester and our one of our doctors said just wait you know just wait until we get at least to you know into the fourth month and then we found out that when we got to that because i said i'm like what is there something wrong that i should be concerned about she's like let's just wait so we waited and then we found out that the baby's lymphatic system which is essential for normal growth in your body um and it's you know the lymph the lymphatic fluid is what helps keep you healthy and it's the thing that you know when you your lymph nodes it's like when you're sick your lymph nodes swell up because those are the things that are attacking the bad stuff and getting it out of your body so i know from studying health and wellness over the years that the lymphatic fluid and i've also struggled with my own kind of stagnant lymphatic system and like rebounding and going into saunas and trying to get it to move i i've done a lot of research about the lymphatic system and i knew how important it was and we found out that the lymphatic system of the baby was outside of the body and when we and when we had heard that we knew there was some it was i was still trying to cuz you know i was still trying to be like maybe it'll be okay you know but um i'm not going to tell the story right now cuz i don't want to start crying <laughs> but what i will say to answer your question is you know we had to decide that the pregnancy first of all the baby wasn't going to make it and i was in danger to carry any longer so we had to make that decision and i was really really mad at my body i didn't know i did and i was filming orange during this whole thing so when i had to go in and and we decided that we had to terminate this was all like i had to film the next day like we it was in the middle of all of this that this was going on and it was just so surreal to have to make the decision and and i we talked to our doctors and our doctors were like you need to not go to work tomorrow <laughs> like you need to this is a this is a big situation and you know and but i was so out of it and so confused by the whole thing um and once it once we had to terminate the pregnancy i was really shameful i felt really i was angry at myself and my body i thought there was something i'd done and i felt so much shame that my body couldn't grow this baby which is so weird and we, that should never have happened but you you start thinking irrationally and i was doing stunts at work and i was like was it the stunts that i did at work that did did something weird it wasn't at all and i didn't do anything on safe at work but um i for me trying to heal from the the anger i felt towards my body was that was a process for me and i started doing this exercise i have a friend of mine her name is nicole apolian and she she's a wonderful woman and she's uh you know a biologist and an anthropologist and she's a phd and she's just this kick ass she's a survival expert actually she's very cool and healed herself from ms her story is awesome but she actually told me about external thanks and i started doing this kind of gratitude thing every day and giving external thanks and 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 telling my body that it's going to sound it might sound a little woo woo but I got to tell you it really worked. I We're out there, it's okay. No, I I would start I would start telling my body I love you. I would say it out loud. I would touch my body part. I would like to so my arms, I love you. You know, my head, I love you. My face, I love you. My neck, my chest, and I would touch and connect with every body part and say I love you and mean it. And that really started helping me. heal from this and then when we had 
the good fortune of getting pregnant again, I was so scared. I was so scared that I, number one, I, I turned to my, my husband, I'm like, I can't go through that again. And we decided together that we, we wanted so badly to have a sibling for, for Ella. And we decided that we're just going to do everything we can to make sure, you know, we'll do all the tests again, of course, because we had to, because of what happened the last time. And I was just extra careful. And I really like, I'm not kidding. Every night I would talk to myself. I would talk to my belly. I would talk to the baby, you know, like I was very communicative. Um, and thank goodness everything was okay. But I was every night, I'm not kidding. I, in leading up to those milestone check-ins, I was I, terrified. I was so scared every night and it, it didn't go away for months. I was scared for months. And then you get to a point where you're okay, you know, where that you think that, you know, the baby's old and every single time I'd go in with my doctors and you do the scans and I'm like, okay, where, check where again, is everything? Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it was hard. It was really, really hard. And, um, you know, but you, you, my partner was an amazing support for me and, I really, the self-healing and the self-talk helped me a lot that I got to say, that was one of the biggest things. Well, that's, that's really, that's really great advice. And I'm, I'm sorry you suffered, but I'm so glad that you just had your little boy. And that's, that's really incredible. And it's so funny, you know, that you, you meet these, these people that you, that you have at these interesting times in your life and how serendipitous that everything that comes together and becomes that particular person. Right. And, um, and you do feel so blessed for, for the ones that do come as that it really is. Well, in terms of that, that topic, did you feel like, cause I also felt like that a lot of women have experienced this, but they don't talk about it. And not just the specific situation I went through. I mean, just in general about loss of, of pregnancy in whatever way that is. Why did you, did you feel that as well? I mean, definitely. And I think that we are part of a generation where people are starting to talk about it. I mean, I asked questions on my Instagram and I had, I don't even know how many responses, um, and of people telling me about their loss and why they kept it quiet. Um, and it, I mean, I was crying a lot during that time. I still cry sometimes now, but it really, um, it really hit me. Cal, when is this episode going to air? Okay, so I'm, I'm at that point, I'll have announced that I'm pregnant again. And no way. Um, oh my, congratulations. Thank you. And so I'm going on Monday. I'm going to go get my, I'm going to go get my same skin. This is when I lost the baby last time. But I got an at-home Doppler. Oh yeah, love that thing. I listened to the heartbeat the other day. Still I love alive. that thing. That's literally when I go in the scan, I'm like, I just, I go and ask, I'm like, is it still life? But now I have to go with coronavirus and I have been separating the scans. So with that, you know, getting nervous about, you know, not getting medical care, but at the same time, not wanting to expose myself, um, to, to, to this virus. Um, but it is, I love hearing that because it is this interesting thing of, um, having gone through this really traumatic loss. Um, and mine was different. I didn't, I didn't have to decide to terminate. We just found her dead. And, um, and now I'm at the same place and it's working, you know? Yeah. 
I mean, honestly, it was, it really was a day-to-day thing for me. It was just day-to-day and, you know, I, my husband speaks so highly of your husband and I'm sure he, I, I am sure he's so supportive and that's the main thing for me is just having that in addition to doing the self-healing and the self-talks every night, um, that was a big help. So I, I get it. And it's literally a day-to-day thing. It, that's yeah. what it was for me. And it helped a lot. And also, you know, like talking to your belly, like putting your hands on your belly and, and really talking to, you know, whatever your beliefs are about that, you know, just talking to that space of your body and, and life flowing there and energy and love and, you know, whatever your beliefs are, just putting that intention there is, was a really helpful thing for me. That's good advice. One of the things that you said about in that article, um, was that, you know, you started to realize that this happens to other people. And that was, I felt very alone at the beginning because of people don't share this, but then you start to realize the more you talk, the more other people come forward. And that is also extremely healing. Not that you want to wish anything bad happening for other people, but it's nice to know that you're not alone and you're part of a community. So I oh, of course. To- and especially as a mother, it's, you know, I feel like we need, especially now as well, community is just, it's so important. And especially with these kind of things that you deal with, leaning on people is, is really important. And I also, I totally agree. I do think that once it's talked about, it makes it a safe place for others to come forward and talk about it as well. Yeah, it's so. it's definitely part of the the motherhood journey as as we know too well. I will, I want to I want to share with our listeners. Um, you mentioned the YouTube series that you do. And more look, I, I want to I you have wisdom across every aspect of your life, and I'd love to hear some of your like quarantine tips and how you're making sense of your of your quote unquote new normal. But you've been doing this YouTube series for a while now where you, for whatever reason, your brain is like, maybe it has to do with the fact that you imposed your own structure, but you are so excellent at pre-planning meals, getting your prep on, which is like perfect. How lucky are you that your name made that perfectly said? Um, <laughs> which started I, as a total I, I, accident, by the way, the name of this thing. And that's a whole other story. It was very funny. But yes, it is. It does help that my, that's my last name. It's so perfect though. But I'd love to hear you like, what are you cooking? Are you cooking a lot now being at home? I'm sure you are. What are you cooking? How have you made sense of like the monotony of every day? Or how are you planning to make it a little easier on yourself since you're also nursing and mothering a newborn and on book tour. I mean, like it's, it's crazy. Well, in terms of the cooking, it's, I'm cooking more. I I mean, I always cook a lot. Um, and I always do a lot of batch cooking and I always have prepped foods in my fridge. That's just what I've done since I was a kid. Truthfully, my mom taught me to do that when I was a kid. And that, especially because I was became a working professional at such a young age, that's how I would feed myself and be able to keep some kind of nutrition was to batch cook my own food and then I would bring it uh, to work with me. So that's something that's just kind of ingrained in me that I do. But in terms of now, it really, because there were times obviously where we would have to go to a set and go to work and then come back. I, you know, now I feel like I'm kind of running a restaurant, you know, it's like, it's doing the book tour. It's, you know, being with the the kids and then making sure they're being educated and entertained. And then you're also basically running a restaurant where you have to cook and clean and do all the stuff. The main thing for me. And so for me, the, 
now with the the self-isolation, it's been nonstop. Like I hear stories about people who are finally being able to reorganize their closets and redoing their whole pantry. And I'm like, how, how are you doing that? There's, I have, it's like every minute is accounted for. And also like any box that shows up or any grocery, you have to wipe it. It takes, it takes four times the amount of time because you have to wipe it down and make sure it's safe and sterile to bring into the house. So it's just all these little things add so much time to a very simple thing. So, but in terms of the cooking, I, I'm cooking even more now, if you can imagine that, but the freezer has become a friend and I'm not going to lie. I used to be a total snob about the freezer. Okay. (laughs) Total snob, which again was how I was raised. My mom was a chef and she never cooked from the freezer. So that's naturally what I did. I, it was always fresh farmer's market. You go to the butcher, you know, you get all this fresh stuff. You cook it right away. The freezer was not in my it just wasn't part of how I cooked. It just because of how I was raised. But see, you're learning new skills in in, in lockdown. <laughs> in lockdown, the freezer has become a friend. It's become a huge friend. And the other thing too is figuring out how to make frozen food taste great is something that is a constant battle, and how to give it the little the the one of my main games I try to do with myself um, is trying to take frozen stuff and make it gourmet or make it, give it a little extra twist. That's my new thing I'm really trying to do is figure out how to take frozen food and make it taste great and look <laughs> and look pretty on a plate. That's, that's like my new thing. It's like my new game that I play with myself of how can I take frozen green beans and make them not taste like wilted, terrible stuff that we used to eat when we were kids, when we went and visited like our grandmother out and, you know, who literally was a self-proclaimed, she did not cook ever. And, um, it would just be like frozen, you know, whatever. But, uh, that's been very interesting, but considering I was taught a certain way, I, that's my new thing is making freezer food taste good and look presentable. That's so funny. How are you guys managing all of your time together? I've heard so many stories, you know, like, and I've been reading all about, you know, I feel like this might not be true, so don't quote me on it. But he told me the other day that like the divorce rates have skyrocketed in oh, China gosh. after the quarantine because <laughs> people are just like driving each other nuts. Um, I mean, it sounds believable, and I'm just I'm going to be curious to see what happens here now that we're all of a sudden spending so much time together. Now, Alec and I are people we spend like a lot of time together, and I mean, whenever we're shooting Mom Brain, and you, you guys are always like, "Man, how many times are we going to call you?" Like when we're not together, we're always talking, but there is that ability at least to go out and go to the gym and this person's going to go to work, work, you know, right. now work is everything is home all the time. So do you have any like great tips for, for people who are getting on their, their person's nerves? Well, you know, what's interesting is I actually thought I have heard stories about people having issues with their partners. I actually thought there'd be a big baby boom after this. Only oh, there first definitely children. will be. Nine months time, there's definitely going to be. They just don't know yet because it's happening right now. There's going to be a quarantine baby boom. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm convinced. But to answer your question, I look, my, I, I, always, I, I always feel weird talking because my husband, we're best friends. We really are. And we, we love. But I, I always, I don't really talk about it because I don't want people to compare if they happen to be in a relationship that's not great 
to be like, oh, I, well, you no, know, not I, so I'm much always... that, but what are tips do you think? I mean, obviously you have a successful relationship with your husband. Yeah. Um, and he's a, he's a great guy. Alec and him did a play together. And by Alec, the way, like, thinks... my husband adores Alec. And he said, Same. Please... I told him I was talking to you, Danny. He was like, what? He's also like <laughs> desperate to talk to anyone. <laughs> I heard him like walking back and forth. In that Don't you dare open that door. No, Ben <sighs> is just, he adores Alec. Please, please tell him that he said hello. They I, had, I will. That's going to yeah. definitely make his, that's going to make his day. I'm sure he hears us right now. He's yeah, no, it's just so but, great. Um, yeah. But no, I mean, there's certain things nobody should ever compare relationships because there's all so different, but just yeah. certain there, we can learn you know, certain techniques from each other. And I don't know if you have any great words of wisdom. For me, I, we definitely, we spend a lot of time together in, but in general, even when we're not forced to all be uh, quarantining or, you know, isolating from people and doing social distancing, we do spend a lot of time together. And we have, we're, we're fortunate because we're in the same industry, but we're in very different kind of realms of it. And yes, we're both actors, we're both directors, um, but we work on very different types of projects and we we sh- we bounce ideas off of each other all day long and get each other's opinions about things all day long. So we have a really great understanding of, of what we do, which is really nice. But we, even though we spend a lot of time together, we all, we also give each other our space. So as example, you know, I'm in my office right now having this awesome conversation with you guys. He's working in a different room. And then afterwards we'll get together. We'll download, we'll talk about, you know, what happened and then we'll go off and do our separate things again. So, but we're, we're one of those couples that we really do like being together a lot. And I also, I feel like with your partner, you actually just kind of have that awareness and you want to try to tune into that awareness of, I feel like my partner might need a little bit of space right now. And without making it weird or anything, you're just being a support group and a, and a partner. I, you know, go into another room and just give them space. It doesn't have to be from a conversation or a fight or anything like that. Just if there's a lot of time together and you feel like they might need to focus on something, just go somewhere else and give them space for a little bit. So I think for me, it's just about being tuned into that person. And we we're very tuned into each other and we know when we need to do that for each other. And um, I, I just think that in terms of it's just kind of having that sixth sense of being able to read your partner and also, you know, being able to communicate openly about stuff is really big for us, too. And um, that's something that we always try to do is really, really be open with have a, an open dialogue with everything. If someone does have to work like, hey, I have to work and really focus on this. Um, that, you know, like we have a really good open rapport like that, where we can say what we need and not make the other person wrong for it in any way or feel weird in any way. And that's your responsibility to not you guys, but as the partner, it's, it's, it's your responsibility to make that a safe place to be able to have that open dialogue and get done what you need and be able to still have a really, a thriving relationship. I think that's really important. And preempt it before it escalates. I just, that takes me back to, I loved, I loved the, the anecdote you shared with us early on about how fighters never introduce a new move right before a fight, because your instinct is to fall back on the things that you're most comfortable with. It's to fall back on the habits that you know already. And, and it feels like you need to practice that, that feeling of 
openness with your partner and intuitiveness with your partner so much in periods where it's not challenging, in periods where you're not fighting or it's not difficult or you're not, you know, in each other's face too much to be able to fall back on that in moments where you would otherwise respond badly. And I think that that's, it just, it's a great like mental exercise to, as someone said, someone was doing an Instagram live or something recently, got every one of their mother's Instagram. I know, I know, I know. Someone had said like, work on yourself first. And I, I, that like stuck in me so much because I do think that we're, of course you're going to get under on each other's nerves. Like you're in the same space all day long with everyone and feeling fried, but um, but, but seeing what you can change about, you're the only person you control. Seeing what you can change first, I think is super powerful. Last thing we get to ask you is what is the one thing you're most excited to do once quarantine is lifted? Oh, that's such a good question. That's a really good question. Thanks, Cal. <laughs> um, honestly, go out and have a picnic with my family. Ah, oh, yes. Yes. That is what I want. I want to cook a really great afternoon meal. I want to pack it up in a great picnic basket and I want to go to a park with my family and with both of our kids. And I want us to hang out and have an incredible picnic and just be in the sun on green grass and just have a beautiful picnic. That is really, really what I miss. And I want to go do that. Love that. What your favorite thing? My favorite thing? Right now, my favorite thing is my Mario and May swaddle blanket that I use for my son because most of the time I'm wearing a shirt now, but most of the time I wear that thing tied around my neck and I tie it like a halter top. I use it as a burp cloth. It's like my mom cape when I have to pump. It's, I I have a bunch of these Margot and May organic cotton muslins and those are my favorite thing right now. And right when I'm done with this, that's going on and I'm going to feed my son. (laughs) Amazing. Well, we're, we're, uh, we feel honored that you put a shirt on for us because thank you being in the house even something like that is an effort right (laughs) (laughs) especially with a newborn yes you know so with a newborn equals success at life (laughs) well thank you so much this was great thank you so much for having me thank you For me last year, having two miscarriages in one year and one um, at four months, it's always comforting to hear from other people who have had similar experiences. And like I said, it's not that you wish bad things to happen to other people so that you can sort of have misery loves company, but there is something very healing just being able to talk and process. And, and the fact that she's now had, as people call it, the rain, her rainbow baby, and that that is my current journey right now. Um, so it was really comforting to to hear from her and, and inspiring that she decided to be so open and share. Um, so I thank her very much for that. Yeah, I feel, I feel so lucky for my friendship with Laura because I do feel like she is this incredible example of such a strong, powerful, resilient, extremely feminine character. Like just this everything about her feels, um, thoughtful and it was so beautiful to hear her words and to, and that solidarity that you guys share and that, you know, so many of us share. Um, I, I had miscarriages in between each of my babies and 
you know, not at the, not at the, at the late term stage, but it's still, you feel that pain, you feel that anguish, you feel that nervousness going into the next pregnancy, um, that I don't find ever really goes away until you meet your baby. And then you breathe this sigh of relief and then the new wave of, you know, like anxiety about all the newborn things starts. But, um, then you start to slowly realize that that's life. Life is all about managing our fears, managing about managing our, discomfort with the unknown, managing our loss in so many different ways. So I'm grateful that she came back for round two with mom brain. She's always a laugh too. I just, she's so, she's so funny. (laughs) And now it's time for our favorite things. Now it's time for our favorite things. Yes. My favorite thing today is a snack that my kids go crazy for. Um, it's late July, which I really like this brand. Um, and they have these little peanut butter crackers and they come in individual packets. You can get them that are not in individual packets. I actually like the individual packets because then I can give them one and be like, all right, you get one and no more because they literally just want to eat these and nothing else throughout the day. Um, so I highly recommend them. Um, they're definitely a treat. Um, but they're delicious and you might like them too. You will probably like them too. They're not, obviously you can't have them if you have a peanut or a nut allergy, but if you don't, they're absolutely delicious and they're organic. If that helps you feel any better about this, this little snack. So my favorite thing this week is going to be a gypsy cold care tea from traditional medicinals. Um, look, I think, I've just, again, I, um, I've been drinking a lot of tea, a lot. I, I, I do anyway, but I've been drinking a lot more of it these days because one of the best ways we can keep ourselves healthy right now I've been reading about is, um, by keeping our, our, like our, our drinking pathway. So your esophagus, your mouth, et cetera, constantly hydrated, uh, because viruses apparently have the ability to hold on to little hairs and little particles. So the more you're constantly lubricated, the more you're constantly drinking, the harder it is for it to stay put and latch on and infiltrate your system. So I've been drinking tea like nobody's business. And I find that having a nice supply of like, I'll do lemon and honey sometimes or or great fresh ginger into the tea or fresh turmeric if you have that too. Um, even fresh mint leaves. I've been doing herbs now with like thyme and rosemary. I'm like a little witch over here brewing my, brewing my, Bruise, but I do find that um, at least a couple times a day I'll I'll use a traditional medicinals type of tea, and I love this Gypsy Cold Care one. It's very soothing, and it has um, it it has like a nice kind of minty herby taste to it, and I'm, I'm sure it does have some medicinal claims about how it def- it you know improves your body's defenses, but. Those are, you know, those are more from the traditional side of medicine and what your grandmother might have done for you than than science backed. But um, anyway, I've been really enjoying it, and it's something that I that I do just to keep my body and my head in a good place. There you go. Um, all right, guys, that's it from us this week. We are thinking of you, and we hope you're staying well, staying safe, staying sane. Please know that we are making these episodes for you from our homes. We're really excited to get to continue to share how we're living, uh, how we're living through this, how we're making sense of it in our own homes and um, love to hear from you guys and, and what you're doing and what's been helping, what's been most helpful to you. Please write to us. We're mombrainpod at gmail.com. We're of course on all the websites you're already frequenting on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube. And um, we will chat with you next Wednesday, guys. Have a good one. Stay well. Bye. Bye.
This is MomBrain with Ilaria Baldwin and Daphne Oz. MomBrain is a Gallery Media Group original production.